Mr. Derek Veenhoff. He's better known as Deke. Drinking liquor with DJ Deke, we out laughing. Yeah, Deke. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm here today with Scott Flansberg, the human calculator. Scott, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And yeah, I've been the human calculator for over 30 years now. It's amazing. Um, there's so much to ask you, and we've got a little bit of time today, but uh, you're going to be happy that this is actually episode 99 uh, of the show. Oh, great. And, uh, you know, we did that just for you. We, we we lined it up like that. So why don't you tell us a bit about your background your your and how you became the human calculator? Yeah, I just I'm from Herkimer, New York, which is in upstate New York near the, at the beginning of the Adirondack Mountains. And uh, just as a little boy, I was learning math and I had had to go up to the board and do a problem in front of the whole class. And uh, I hadn't been paying attention. And so I think she was trying to make an example out of me. And I did it backwards. She wanted me to add up a column of numbers right to left. And I did it left to right because I thought I had to I learned how to read left to right. So I did my numbers left to right. And she goes, well, where's your carry? And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. What's a carry? And she goes, you got to put a one up here. And uh, I said, no, I did it this way. And so from that point on, everything I would learn in math class, I would sit there and figure out an easier way to get the answer and look for patterns and things like that. And by fifth grade, I was doing numbers in my head as fast as a calculator. And of course, you have actually Guinness World Record for mental calculation, the, the speed. So um, I don't know quickly, is there anything you could demonstrate for listeners? I know we don't have a board in front of us and we don't necessarily have a calculator, but is there anything you could demonstrate? Like, could I give you a number and you could add it up or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So my Guinness World Record, which I've had since the year 2000, is fastest human calculator. And that's racing a calculator for 15 seconds and it's counting by a number. So on a, on a, iPhone or on a regular calculator, if you just do uh, five plus five and you hit equals, it's, it says 10. But if you hit equals again, it automatically adds five more. And if you keep hitting equals, it keeps counting by five, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. Well, I can do that with any number. And so the Guinness folks found the fastest accountant in the world using a 10 key calculator. So they picked 38. So she had to do three, eight plus 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 three, as fast as she could for 15 seconds. And I had to count out loud by 38 for 15 seconds. And at the end of those 15 seconds, she had 28 answers and I had 36. So that's, that's my world record. So I can demonstrate that for you. So just for fun, um, you don't have to, you know, you can check it later if you want, but if you pick a number, I'll start counting by it. And you'll see that I can just count as fast as I can talk. So if you pick 42, I'll just do 42 plus 42 plus 42. Plus. So people listening, if they want to check my answers, they can just punch in the number you say, plus the same number again, and then hit equals, 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 equals. All right. Yeah. So what do, you want, what do you want me to count by? Uh, let's do 23. 46, 69, 92, 115, 138, 161, 184, 207, 230, 253, 276, 2993, 223, 453, 678, Like that. I can boom count as fast as I can talk. So now they've done some studies on your brain. You say there's one part that's sort of enlarged uh, or different than other people. Now, can you explain that? And can you explain like the subjective experience almost of when you're adding? Like, how does it feel? Yeah, that was done on Stanley Superhumans. I was episode one, season one. That was a dream come true to be a, a part <laughs> of that. And they took me to a neurobiological research center and 
Uh, they were checking my brain for me doing mental calculations. And that's when I learned about area 44. It's right here, um, left side of the brain by your temple. It's called the Broman area. And this is where um, movement and spatial math would happen. And so they said that my area 44 is actually four and a half times the normal size it should be. And so they think that, you know, something happened or I figured out a way to train that muscle, they weren't sure. And so I was, it was, it was interesting. Um, it didn't give me the full answer of maybe how or why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, obviously I have programs to teach people how to do this stuff. So it's not like it's just appearing from nowhere and I can't explain the process. Right. This, these are techniques and simple exercises that just make it as easy as possible and most efficient, the most efficient way to get the answer when it comes to calculation. Did that worry you at all when they said part of your brain is four times larger than it should be? You know, like did they double check if it was anything, you know, inappropriate? That's a great question. You know, what's funny is, is I was walking down the streets in Los Angeles and this was when I was 22 years old. So like over 30 years ago and a guy walked up to me off the, on the street, didn't know me from Adam and said, Hey, are you really good with mental math? I just started laughing like, yeah, you know, and, you know, I really wasn't known at that time, but it was sort of weird. Right. The guy did a study called phrenology, which is a study of the bumps on the brain. Mm -hmm. And he said he could tell just by looking at me that this was just so huge. He goes, this, no, you got right here, man. This is like your calculator. And so, uh, I thought that was interesting, but, uh, you know, I think it's a combination. I have a gift for numbers, but I also have a passion for understanding numbers. So I think that's what allowed me to become the human calculator. Can you tell us the significance of um, zero to nine versus one to 10 and how that plays into the math that you do? You just made my day. It's so funny. I mean, I write, you know, I write uh, ways to get the answer to incredibly complex math problems. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to the simplest thing, what you just pointed out. You know, for some reason, humans are wired to think numbers are one through 10. The human body has 10 fingers and we have all learned to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're just used to doing that. It's cool, but that's not how a calculator works. When you turn on a calculator, there's no 10. It's zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So there's 10 digits, but there's no 10. It's zero through nine. So I teach people to think like this, 10 fingers. 10 digits. It goes zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's really zero through nine. And when you turn on a calculator, the only reason it works is because it starts at zero. If that calculator didn't start at zero, you wouldn't get the right answer to any problem you put in there. And so zero is the power number, the power button that turns on the calculator in our mind. Now, when you teach kids this, how, what is this only like, what is the initial approach and, and how, what are some of the successes you've seen or what are the challenges that you see? Well, let's just go through one. Let's see how it goes because right. the one that I want to share with you is called chapter zero. Mm -hmm. I believe that if we count zero, it changes everything. And so, you know, if you count zero, you end up at nine, zero through nine. Those are the first 10 digits. The secret to numbers is every number higher than nine has a pattern in it that makes it add down to nine. So if I asked you to write down the number 11, you would write one, one. The steps are this. You write down the number. Next step is add up all those digits. So one plus one is two. Mm -hmm. Put that total underneath and then subtract. Well, 11 minus two is nine. nine. This works for every number from 10 to infinity. So try 10, one, zero. One plus zero is one. 10, take away one, 
is nine. So try the number 12. One, two. One plus two adds up to three. 12 take away three equals nine. So you pick a number and I'll do it for you. A two-digit number. 17. One plus seven is eight. 17 take away eight is nine. So try 19. One plus nine is 10. 19 minus 10 is nine. Every number in the universe goes back to nine. Let's try 20. Mm -hmm. Two, zero. Two plus zero equals two. 20 take away two equals 18. And that answer, one, eight, 18, one, eight adds up to nine. So now I challenge you next time you're driving down the road and you see a speed limit sign that says 55. Give it a try. Five and five, 10. 55 minus 10 is 45. And that answer, four or five, adds up to nine. It's an exercise that will train our brains to understand arithmetic, adding, subtracting, not just memorizing our math facts. This is a pattern that makes every number come alive. So now next time you're out at a sporting event and you see a player's number like 73, you should be able to do this in your head. Seven plus three is 10. 73 minus 10 is 63. Six and three is nine. Everything is fine. Now, so that's a way to both check your work, but also to develop number sense. Is that the idea? Perfect. You said it better than I do. That's exactly what this number pattern does is develop number sense. Because if you have a nine-year-old kid in your car and you're driving down the road and you see a speed limit sign that says 30, that student should be able to say, okay, 30, three plus zero is three. That's an easy part, right? The next step is they have to plug it in 30 minus three. They got to be able to subtract a little bit like that. When they get to 27, the answer, then they have to recognize that two and seven is nine. So if you sequentialize those three steps with every number you see on the planet Earth, it literally teaches you logic, your math facts, adding, subtracting, truly basic number mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. And so you differentiate that from, like you said, memorization, which is what we're often taught to do in school, both in elementary and all the way to high school, uh, you know, um, and so, so yeah, it's flexing those muscles essentially for kids. And it also in, involves estimating. You've, you've talked about uh, getting, giving kids a better sense to estimate their answers on their way to the answer, so to speak. Yeah. And you just brought up another great point uh, is memorization. You know, our students are expected to memorize all these math facts, right? So you're a second, third grader, you're seven, eight, nine years old. You walk into school and instead of teaching you a logical way to understand your math facts, they want you to memorize this huge table of digits, these random facts, right? Well, there's no class for these kids to teach them how to memorize large mm -hmm. sets of data. So we're expecting them to use a skill set to learn a subject that doesn't require memory because math is logical. You don't need to memorize it. It just makes sense. It adds up. It checks out. And so that's why I think this chapter zero would revolutionize the way we see numbers. Great questions, man. You're killing. I love this. Is great. <laughs> I mean, are you good with numbers in your head? No, honestly, I'm terrible at math. And I mean, like I, subjects I was good at English, history, geography. Uh, I was good at math up to grade nine or so. And then I started to just sort of maybe not care or the memorization wasn't there. Uh, I'm not sure what, but well, that's what it was. yeah, there's that's definitely kids that are, that are sort of math heads. You, you call it, you're a mathlete. Um, and there's people that are just are not drawn to it for whatever reason. And so do you think, is that part of the initiatives you do in world math stay and these things that you you're trying to get people more interested in it or are able to handle it? 
better? Totally. And, you know, I'm, I'm the human calculator. I've been in the Guinness Book 20 years. I do numbers all the time. I do not think about 99% of mathematics ever. Hmm. Mathematics is a huge field. So yeah. to do hmm. that you either are or not a math person, that's, that's silly because you can pick any part of math and really hmm. dive in and figure it out, especially at the lower level elementary stuff. Elementary stuff. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it feels like it's become socially accepted to be bad at math. Like right now, if we started this interview, you wouldn't start out and say, hey, Scott, you know, I'm illiterate. I tried to read your press kit, but, you know, didn't work out. You know, let's just see how it goes. But if you're enumerate, it's okay for you to start the interview. Yeah, you know, I don't get numbers. Don't make any sense to me. We don't even flinch. Yeah. But if you were illiterate, you'd be like, people would look at you funny. Like, really? You can't read or write? You know, so we've right. got to make it where it's not okay to be enumerate. So odd question maybe, but where do you see this going in say hundred, a thousand years? Do you think in the future people will like, cause in thousand years in the past, literacy rates were very different as well. So do you see that changing in the, in the far future? Uh, no, I think it's going to happen in the very near future. Okay. Okay. <laughs> years ago, they didn't have the internet, you know, hmm. here we are. I mean, an idea can go around the world in a day instead of a, a thousand years. So <laughs> Uh, I believe that this chapter zero will get out there and it'll become common sense. One day, everybody on the planet Earth will be like, you know, no big deal. Everything goes back to nine. Got it? Good. But that's why I invented a new event called the National Counting Bee. It's like a spelling bee, but it's a counting bee. And what this does is two things. One, we create a stage where the fastest human calculators and mathletes can be discovered and do their thing on stage and be celebrated around the world. Uh, the second part of that initiative is to create a program to promote, promote numeracy. So for all the students that don't feel like they could, they could be an accounting bee, we're, we're empowering them with this curriculum that everything's zero through nine. And since this is episode 99 of your podcast, uh, my number grid that, that I've you know came up with as a book is not one through 100. It's double zero through 99. And when you start a number grid, a 10 by 10 number grid with double zero instead of one, all these patterns erupt off the page that nobody had ever noticed. And that's all because all we did was count zero. And what happens is it lines up all the 10. So zero through nine, 10 through 19, 20 through 29, 30 through 39, all the numbers that start with the same digits are on the same rows, changes everything. And so we're going to use the counting bee as a way to promote this numeracy program, which includes a matrix of zero to 99 and how all numbers go back to nine. Yeah, that's interesting. Now this year uh, you tweeted because we had, it was it the 21st day, the 21st week, the 21st year of uh, the 21st century, right? Um, yes, that's crazy. eh? How could the, how, how is that not, not a national holiday? I mean, <laughs> to experience that and I, you know, I actually, I don't know if you're on Clubhouse. Yeah, Clubhouse. But um, I set up a room on Clubhouse for that hour, you know, the 21st hour of the 21st day of the 21st week of the 21st year of the 21st century. I mean, on and on and on. And I think we had seven people show up in the room. Nobody seems to care. About well, it's, I tried to get in there and I'm not sure. Maybe my Clubhouse app wasn't working. I forget what, but I, I, I tried to make it in there. But uh, maybe I'll, the next next one well there may be never be one but uh, when, when's that i was gonna say <laughs> we figure out that one so now but speaking of this like numerology you've you mentioned numerology numerological facts uh pertaining to your life different times in your life and different meanings that, that numbers have had for you in your life um 
a lot of people think about this a lot. Like they see the clock 1111 or they are uh, 333 is a big one. And uh, how do you think about numerology? Is it just for fun or do you think that it has some significance and meaning involved? Yeah, it's a heavy subject. You know, yeah. um, I started out with capital N numerology, which is study of yourself, you know, where you try to make all the numbers seem like they're about you in some way, just like the horoscope uses the sky to make people feel like the sky is telling their story, not something else. Mm-hmm. Um, small end numerology is study of uh, uh, numbers in the Bible, codes, patterns, all kinds of things like that. So I, I delve into all those different things. I love to see what's going on. Um, but in 99, um, I had a little, you know, right before Y2K, I just had a little realization. I was like, everything is about me. Uh, look at me. I'm the fastest human calculator. Listen to me. Listen, watch me do my thing. And then I converted it and made it about others and how I could empower others with this superpower of mental math and uh, computing and stuff. And I I remember writing a note where I I wrote I, and when you write a capital I, you got a one, but then there's a bar on the bottom and the bar on the top. So if you're that one, the big I, well, there's a bar on the top and a bar on the bottom. So it just goes back and forth. You're just bouncing back and forth. Me, 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 me. And so I want to rewire myself to be a little eye. So a little eye is a one with a zero on top. It's a little halo. And so as soon as I rewired myself to be a little eye instead of a big eye, and it's something bigger than me out there, uh, it changed my life. I started having all these revelations and patterns, found these patterns in 1999. I discovered the nine pattern on 9999 at nine o'clock in the morning on the 18th hole playing golf with Alice Cooper. So bizarre numerical coincidences. Is Alice Cooper into this kind of stuff? Is he into numerology in that? No, I don't think so. You know, uh, he, he, he's not a numbers guy. He's a words guy. Uh, Uh He's a wordsmith and I'm, and I connect the numbers. So yeah, it's different. Um, can we circle back to a question I asked earlier? I forget if we really got into it, but the subjective feeling or perception that you experience when you're doing these super fast calculations, could you describe it in any way? Like, yeah. Um, when I'm doing my world record, I, I tune in so much that you could literally run at me full speed and tackle me. And I could still just keep spitting out numbers left and right. There's, you can't distract me. I'm so in the zone mm. that um I, honestly it almost feels like when you're doing mental math it, you, it becomes timeless mm. you go into a a matrix or uh you know a dimension of where time stands still and so when i'm doing my world record and i'm going so fast that my mouth can barely keep up with my brain and i'm having trouble mm-hmm. st- almost stumbling over numbers speaking instead of calculating right right uh you know i'm just totally tuned into this language of numbers and people do it with other things. I just, you know, happen to do it with numbers. Yeah. Interesting. But, but the sense I get is, um, I, I don't feel it. I I mean, I feel it, you know, I can feel it in my gut when I'm wrong. I can, I know I'm wrong before you even say you have a calculator and you're checking me and I can say, Oh, wait a second. I got one wrong there before you even do it. Just something didn't feel right. So yeah, I'm tuned into numbers. What about, have you ever met other people that, I mean, there must be other people that are fairly good at this too. Have you met anyone that's in your realm or that has a similar skill? Obviously there's other memorizing, uh, you know, other Guinness world record holders that have similar skills, but anything close to sort of what you can do. 
well, at the World Championships in 2016 in Las Vegas, I was the chairman of the event. And um, a lady from South Korea who lives in New York, uh, Shang Yi Lee, came in and set four world records in four days at the world championships with mental math. And I was thinking, holy cow, she's going to take down my record too, probably the one that I explained to you. And at the final day, she challenged me to my world record. And it was as close as I ever came to getting beat. She did it in Korean first. So I didn't know the number she counted by or how well she did. And then they gave me the number, but it was a, she challenged me to a three digit number. My world record is a two digit number. So she, instead of 38 or something, they picked 257 or something like that. And I went as fast as I could. I didn't miss a beat. I mean, I (laughs) nailed it. And so did she. And I only beat her by two answers in 15 seconds. So I think at 26 to 24 or something like that. So there's people out there that can do it. Um, another brilliant uh, human calculator out there is Eusnir Vieira. He's from Cuba originally, lives in Florida. Met him at the 2008 Mental Math World Championships in Germany. And that's where he started breaking the world record for figuring out calendar dates. So you can say what they, you know, calendar date, like right. June 13, 1986, and he can tell you the answer in a third of a second. So he's got the world record for that. So, yeah, there's a lot of fascinating humans out there. Yeah, you know, something I heard um, on a podcast that recently was about uh, people on the spectrum or people with dyslexia and how um, we should really be looking at these things more as differently abled people rather than sort of a stigmatized, um, you know, condition that they have because a lot of these people with these various um, states of mind or conditions can can do like really amazing things, um, you know, so yeah, have, does that tie in at all to um, what we're talking about? Yeah, just because um, when we had 160 of them show up in Las Vegas for four days to compete for the world championships, you got all sizes and colors and from everywhere around the world. It was really fascinating. One of the people that checked in, uh, I thought, well, it was a guy with his little daughter, five or six-year-old girl. And I thought the guy was checking in for it and he was checking his daughter in for the championships and she broke a record the next day on the stage as a five-year-old kid. So uh, it's just, it's, it's amazing who's out there. Um, Another guy I just wanted to point out, his name is Jerry Newport. Uh, I never met him until I was at the 2008 world championships and he came over and introduced himself. And it turns out that him and I were born five miles apart in upstate New York. I'm in Herkimer and he was born in little falls, which is five miles away. And the odds of that were pretty, pretty crazy. And he, he was actually an incredible, well, an amazing human calculator. Wow. Uh, what about like when you see the Rubik's cube, uh, competitions and those, are these things still amazing, even though you're such an amazing guy, like, do you, do you still get amazed like the rest of us at these various skills that people have? Like, and even solving a Rubik's cube, does that have anything to do with spatial awareness in your brain and that, you know? Totally. I, I used to do the Rubik's cube for fun. You know, it was great. Cause once you get into the pattern, you can sort of just tune in and and it just happens. So, right. hey, there you are. Not yeah. solved, though. I don't really, I'm still learning. I don't really. Oh, it's so cool. And <laughs> the, here's what's amazing is, is I was at an event where they had a kid that could do it in under five seconds. Yeah, there's a great Netflix documentary about um, some of the champions. Wow. And behind their back, uh, mm-hmm. they can. Then there was one kid who took three Rubik's Cubes, looked at them, and then started juggling and solved all three of them while he was juggling. That's insane. 
That's, think, yeah, it's crazy about humans too, is that we always have to top each other. So every year it's just in every field, every record gets broken or, you know, like people are just always striving to kick uh, the butts of the people before them. Hallelujah. You know, the perfect example is the four minute mile with Mr. Bannister, because before he ran a four minute mile, nobody thought you could run it. And now it happens every day all over the world. So it's a mindset and humans are pushing each other. And now that we know who's out there and what they're doing because of the internet, it's easier to motivate yourself. You know, I didn't know about mental calculation world cup or any of these mental calculation things, but, and I never practiced. Some of these kids have been practicing eight hours a day for 10 years, you know, going for world records. So I love it. I think it's awesome. We're going to, every year, the national counting bee is going to be in each country in the world, just like a spelling bee, but you can't do a spelling bee in most countries because they don't speak English. A counting bee works in every country. And then at the end of each year, we'll have an international counting bee to bring the top 10 students from each age group together and recognize them. So it's dream come true to have a gift for numbers, but more importantly, to figure out a way to help promote numeracy and celebrate others that do this stuff. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, academically speaking, you didn't finish, was it, is it high school or you didn't go to college or? I didn't finish anything. You didn't I, finish. I, I, right. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a little personality conflict with my high school English teacher. So uh, he gave me a 69 on my final and I didn't get to get my high school diploma. I went in the Air Force for six years and didn't last there either. I was, you know, it was just a challenging environment. And got out and started doing this as the human calculator after that. And, uh, you know, having control of my life and not having to work for somebody. And, there's, you know, I'm just an independent spirit. Well, I was going to uh, say it's got to be very rewarding and sort of, yeah, very freeing to be able to sort of go all over the place and talk to so many people. And you've got so much to say. And it's you can really blow people's minds in the span of, you know, 30 seconds if you wanted to. So it's a pretty cool skill to have. Thank you. Yeah, it is. You know, the funny part is I was at a teacher workshop with about 250 teachers and I did an hour. I started with a demonstration, just basic stuff. Then I did my world record. Then I got into teaching the nine pattern and these other theories that I've come up with for mental math and how to better teach it. And the first question, one of the people got up and said, hey, I'm sorry, I walked in late. Could you mention which college you went to, what your major was and what this <laughs> was on, you know, stuff like that. And I go, well, actually, you know, I'm a high school dropout and I got a standing ovation. Because for the past hour, these teachers stood there and listened to everything I said and were blown away by what I was doing. But if I started the show by saying, hey, I'm a high school dropout, I hope you'll still listen to me about how I feel <laughs> right. about no, it. ain't going to happen. Right. Now, so speaking more about education and like uh, a topic of interest to me is education reform. Now, I don't have any great plans or big ideas for this, really, but... Um, a teacher of mine uh, starts democratic schools in various countries. Um, he, he taught at Summerhill in the UK. I don't know if you're familiar with that school. There's a documentary about it. Um, they, they had some legal disputes with the Tony Blair administration because it was the school that was sort of seen as almost a communist school. But uh, essentially, they let the kids do whatever they want and they formed their own little committees and they would vote on different initiatives. And so everything that you learned in class, the, the kids got to vote on whether you had to learn it or not. So we, when I was in grade six, this teacher of mine employed some of those tactics into our school here in Ontario, Canada. And it really blew my mind as a kid that they would, like a teacher would allow the kids to have so much freedom over what they learned. Um, so it's always been interesting to me, but like, I see a lot of, in, in America, a lot of my peers, like we go through the school system and then we have so many complaints 
about how it went. And maybe some of that is our own failings that we're just blaming the system or whatever it is. But uh, is there anything that comes to mind for you about things that maybe over time need to change in, in school systems? Yeah, that's a great example. I love that story too. I hadn't heard about that. Um, yeah, it's scaring me a little bit because we've got laptops and computers and electric screen or, you know, video screens and Zoom and all these technologies, all these, all this access to the best teachers in the world. And we're st- our grades are still just, you know, flattening. I mean, how, this should be an incredible revolution of amazing ability to educate yourself and be in environments that are what you're looking for, you know? So uh, we have to reinvent school, but I think more importantly, we have to reinvent or have an attitude adjustment because if students want to learn and they're put in an environment where they can learn, well, there's zero excuses why they can't learn. So we're missing something before that. And I think it comes down to kids just not wanting to learn or families not creating a environment that inspires them to be a good learner. But we just, I think we need to change our attitude more than anything. It's a good point. There is um, a lot of, it's a multifaceted problem. Obviously there's another problem in social circles. You might, people think it's not cool to be smart or not cool to learn. Um, you know, I think that's changed over a few couple decades as well, a little bit, but you know, being a nerd is seen as cool now and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, the nerds rule the world now. So come on, you know, that's, that's been dismissed too. Uh, but if you can ever figure that out, please explain it to me that how do we have all the technology in the world, access to the smartest people in the world, and we're still flatlining on education reform? It's a really good question. I will let you know whenever I figure that out. So, uh, Scott, we've learned so much today and uh, sort of in closing. Can you tell us, like, uh, what should people be paying attention as far as events coming up? Uh, or And then uh, also, where can they find more about you online? Well, thanks for asking. My website's thehumancalculator.com. And the event I just want to remind everybody is the National Counting Bee. We're doing the first one in America. So the USA National Counting Bee is November 9th, 2021. It's a free contest, free to register, free to sign up, free to practice, free to do it. Everything's free. So there's no excuses why we can't get tons of schools to get involved and help them help us find their fastest human calculators and give those kids a chance to get on this stage to be celebrated as the fastest math leader, fastest human calculator. 100%. Scott, thanks again so much. It was really nice to meet you virtually and uh, all the best, man. Uh, hey, thanks. Great job. I'm following you on everything. I can't wait to see what you come up with, man. And good, good luck. And just thanks for including me on number 99. Awesome. No problem, man. Take care. 